Now, what do you think of that uh, particular clip? Well, I think it's adorable that the fire that they were able to find to put in there because we were burning cities down yeah. was like you could stomp on it and put it out, which right. is great. <laughs> but it was a lot of projection, you know. Mm -hmm. It felt like it was just a biography, like, mm -hmm. you know we want power we want total control and we want everybody to believe what we believe you know and have one god and one focus and life will be so much better if everybody's just like us mm. yeah he does talk I about mean, that a lot of... it's of between the projection is a lot is very very evident that same sentiment gal that you just mentioned about you know having this one god and that's mike flynn right i mean mike flynn came out and said we have to have you know a singular god and if you look at some of the things that mike flynn has been up to i mean obviously anybody who you know follows me knows about the whiteboard already mm -hmm. that whiteboard has led me to some places about you know where they're having these tours these christian churches are, are being filled with misinformation because mike flynn and that sort of group uh, that he's tied with are going there and feeding them this information about tyranny and masks and you know all this other nonsense but it is being done through the christian churches it is being done to a certain group here and this is why there yeah. is so much antagonism in the church circles and also amongst republicans against the masks and against vaccinations they view yeah. the masks and the vaccinations as tyranny because they've been fed this diet of everything is tyrannical and they're coming to take away your freedoms. So in that context, you look at masks and vaccinations, these mandates as being, you know, sort of tyrannical. People forcing you to do it, things. It's governmental overreach, right? So they, they preach that there's, you know, the government is going to overreach and they want a big, mm. big brother and they're going to be in your pocket all the time. And then they actually make it happen. So then they're, you know, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. They're making it occur. Yeah, it's just, um, I think the pandemic was like the perfect opportunity for the libertarian ideology that kind of has always wanted to have that sovereignty that they kind of imagine exists or needs mm -hmm. to exist. I just think they saw a way to like sneak in with disinformation and capture it and kind of create this new Republican Party. Because when you look back at Roger Stone and some of these operatives that have been playing in politics for decades, that is their ideology. They are libertarian populists. So they talk about, you know, just America first and a very limited federal government, states' rights. You see Ron DeSantis talking about a lot of these operatives that are basically spun from Roger Stone have this ideology. Yeah, those are very astute points. You know, I think it's also important to remember that this guy ran in an online publication called Russian Insider, which for years has been feeding propaganda and extremist points of view to American audiences. I mean, he has written about denying the Holocaust. He has had the launch of the National Justice Party, a neo-Nazi party at a barn that he owns. Now, no one else would host that kind of event. Only someone who was really interested in that party growing would host that kind of event. And who would have that interest? Someone like Charles Bowser, which is probably why he hosted the National Justice Party at his barn. This is someone who was inflaming the ideas that we are now dealing with for years in America for the Russian government. It's not just that he's just right. a guy, you know, who showed up on Russian television and is analyzing things. He is the instigator of a lot of these points of view and, and the inflamer of these points of view in America. So, you know, my, my opinion, a really dangerous kind of guy. And we should mention too, Zev, that he's pretty close with Alex Jones. I mean, you could look at this video from Bowsman and think it came off InfoWars. 
mm-hmm. in my opinion. You're very similar lines of thinking. You sent me a great clip mm-hmm. on Alex Jones earlier on. So there's two clips that I really want to show you. One of them is Ed Lazansky, the other one is Alex Jones. I don't know why they're not here. It's so frustrating, but I will play for them for you in a bit. Let's get uh, back to one more of him. You know, this is again, an extension of what we've been talking about, but he sort of branches out into how there are two versions, you know, lining up for America, that there is a potential version where liberals are going to enslave Americans, the sort of leftist globalist ideology is going to enslave Americans, or a version where Trump and his supporters are going to somehow magically save America and return them to freedom. I mean, it's complete nonsense. Again, Russian state TV propaganda. Don't believe what you're about to see. But this is just interesting in terms of understanding how the Republicans are framing their thinking. Or it's entirely possible, like in the Russian Revolution, that eventually these radical leftists will come to power and they will enslave the country and terrorize it and do all the terrible things uh, to Americans that they did to Russians. So nobody knows right now what's going to happen. That's what makes this situation so terrifying. And the world should really understand that America is on the verge of going down the path that Russia went um, in the revolution. Well, it's a terrible tragedy for America if it happens, but it's a terrible risk for the rest of the world. Because if America becomes the radical leftist country uh, now, the way Russia became a hundred years ago, um, you know, uh, with all its military power and all its economic power, this is going to be a huge problem for Europe, a huge problem for Russia. It's cut off at the end there, but he actually says the huge problem for China at the end there. I mean, really? America's going to be a big problem for China and he cares about that? Why is that an issue? The whole thing is insane, obviously. Like, we're not heading into a Russian revolution, but you can certainly see what they would like people to believe. And you could certainly see what they're trying to make Republican Party talking points out of and certainly trying to tell Republicans what they should be fearful of when this is clearly not happening. There's nothing in the Biden administration that feels anything like a Russian revolution. I mean, it's the most conciliatory government you've ever come across and certainly, you know, reaching across the aisle where possible many, many times. And there's no sense for me that you're looking at a chipping away of rights or anything like that. So it's complete nonsense. But, you know, he's there he is espousing it. I just want to say we're not insisting that, like, you know, the Republicans are watching Russian television. OK, what they're doing is using active measures and different propaganda tactics to put this information in front of Republicans. So we're not accusing Republicans of, like, knowingly spreading Russian propaganda. We're not accusing them of going to Russia, state TV websites and learning this stuff. But there are methods that are being used, like, for instance, when Ted Cruz retweeted, you know, a military commercial um, straight from Russian propaganda TV. So I wanted to be clear that we're not accusing them of actually going and like acquiring this and then disseminating it. It's being disseminated to them through tactics that they don't even recognize. There's an so. ecosystem that, you know, distributes these talking points. And it certainly might start at Russian television or it might start in the fringes of the internet. It might start on Parler or on Gab or whatever it is they exist today. But it launches itself through the system and it lands up in the Republican Party, as we saw through the EPS accusations in the last few days, which we're going to get to in just a second. You know, it's just interesting. Like I remember after 2016, a little bit after that, I think, I recall somebody, I don't remember exactly which arm of the Kremlin they were in, but they were removed from the meeting by having their head put in a bag, right? So right. they put a bag over the head, they released them from the meeting. If we were descending into what 
Bowsman is espousing, then Jim Jordan would have had his head in the bag, <laughs> right? I mean, all those things would be happening. None of those things are happening. No, of course not. Of course not. And we're following the rule of law. And if, you know, if ever there's an argument for Mary Garland's sort of right. appeasement, if you would call it that, right. then uh, this would be it. We're a year out and we're still talking about whether or not we can subpoena members of Congress, right? I mean, just to testify, they, just, to testify, yeah. <laughs> never mind right. your, never mind for criminal activity. So, so we're nowhere near that. Nowhere near that at all. But uh, let's just look at someone on the chat. David is talking about Car Arms uh, facility. So Car Arms is run by the brother of the Reverend Sean Moon, who's the son of the real Reverend Moon. None of them are real reverends, of course. He runs the ministry of the Iron Rod, which is this crazy fanatical right-wing ministry, which basically celebrates the AK-47 as its god. And they were present there at the Capitol. And their friends, you know, Bowsman is very close to they, the Reverend um, Sean Moon. They've appeared many times in protests together and have uh, basically coordinated events, we believe, because on January the 3rd, we know that the Moonies and their entourage were staying with Bowsman at Bowsman's barn over there on their way to the January 6th events where they was caught on tape and even, you know, shared video of them be taking part in the coup attempt. Go ahead, Gal. I believe, I don't know the exact date, I think it was in maybe November, but Car Arms actually was one of the sponsors for one of these um, kind of Christian rallies that you're talking about, Joe, um, where Mike Flynn was and several of these other people um, out there in the Reverend Moon yeah, he sure was moon. there also. He, yeah. So I don't know if you guys saw that event, but it this was is the event on the 30th of December. The one on the 30th of December? Is that was, the one? Uh, no, it was before that. It was a really big one. And uh, okay. Car Arms was the sponsor for it. Oh, this so is the I'll, Freedom I'll, Rally. They do this big Freedom Rally thing that they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Bannon was talking there. Yeah, Dana Loesch, I think, is that her name? She that's was, right. She, she that's was right. There. Yeah, ridiculously high profile people to be at a freedom event by the Ministry of the Iron Rod. What a ridiculous name that is. Dana Loesch was the uh, host of NRA TV, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Good point. She has her own like show now too, just so you guys know. I monitor that sometimes also, and it's pretty awful. Oh, thank you for doing that. (laughs) That's that's real service. (laughs) Take it one for the team. But you know, really, it's interesting. Why does a church need to have a arms manufacturer aligned to it? I don't know too many churches that do that, but here's one that does. It's kind of doesn't make any sense. And I think they make Trump gun, if I'm not mistaken, a, a gun with the Trump logo on it. So someone is saying, uh, Jessa B-A-H-X says, so I wonder if Bowsman had a hand in the disinfo campaign in Philly that I kept coming into contact with while canvassing in the city for 2020 election. Absolutely, he did. You know, he was out there a lot. And there's video of him and the Reverend Moon outside. I don't remember the secretary of state there, but outside his offices and his home protesting and, you know, saying crazy things, honestly. But um, I've played that on a previous show and people can find that in my past episodes about Bowsman if people are looking for that, but absolutely was involved in that. Now, is he- Bowsman was recording him yeah. when he was speaking. The moon, yeah, yeah Bowsman went live. Mm-hmm. He had lots of live streaming. I think he was also live streaming the event. Uh, happened on January the 6th, but to probably a closed audience, likely in the Kremlin or something. David is responding here, if Bowsman was working in PA, you could bet he visited the car arms. I would say that's probably likely true. And uh, Upstate Farm is saying that guns should be microchipped with IDs like uh, dogs. Interesting. For traceability. And then Jesse here again saying, and the strange right-wing coverage of the lootings and riots in Philly where they manufactured fake news about lighting churches on fire and stuff. I didn't realize they had faked some of that. That is interesting. All of that probably is coordinated. You would imagine that's all coordinated and probably coordinated out of the Kremlin. And that's why it uh, seems to work so seamlessly. So 
I've cut it down because I couldn't handle the whole thing. So there's an edit in the middle of that. It's not entirely as you're seeing it here. But this is uh, when Alex Jones found out that Vladimir Putin, for some reason, was a fan of his show and was said hello to him. Uh, I don't know who this other guy on, on here is. I think it's his correspondent. But let's take a look at what he had to say. The economy, because like you said, it's a mixed bag. Vladimir Putin says to say hello, by the way. Did that really happen? Oh, yeah. He said, when you see Alex, tell him I said hello. That's crazy. Yeah. Gonna, I better not I'm, go over there, though. though. I'm going to introduce, uh, introduce uh, interview Putin this year. Really? Yeah, going over there. Now, now I am interested in this because I was told by the head of RT America before they even launched it, yeah. like eight, nine years ago, Putin's a big listener. And by the way, you know, he likes how you he play. He my show. He imitated me at the 10-year anniversary dinner. Well, I know you're a big star all over the world, but and Putin knows you. Yeah, he, he's imitated me. I did this thing where David Cameron ripped his shirt off at the governor's dinner, and he looked at this clip and he said, your journalists are very interesting. The one, the Max, who ripped his shirt off uh, is very interesting. Let's get back to the Putin thing. Oh, this will be newsworthy. Let me hear this. What did he say? Well, I'm just telling what he said. I noticed you like to go bare-chested now. I mean, I think Putin started that. I whole, did that as a joke. That whole yeah. bare-chesting thing. I, mean, I did it to troll the media. This liberals crazy because Putin dares to be a heterosexual. So therefore, Gosh, can we Google Alex Jones on a horse in some way? Alex Jones on a horse. You know, Putin's heterosexual, and so therefore, uh, I'm not bragging, but aren't those I'm some big Yes, I want to get the last I mean, line. Here. Awesome packs. You know, those are no, Putin-sized packs. You've gotten oh, Putin packs. No. I'm sorry, Alex Putin pack. That's right. He on the horse. All naked, you know, so this is what drives the liberals crazy, you know, especially in Britain, where not a single person in government would class be classified as, uh, I'm you trying know. to get to well, say I this shouldn't have been laughing because I was laughing when I did it. No, that. I did it to troll him. Yeah. And then the media was like in a whole bunch of newspapers. They go, he's a role model. He's bringing peace around the world. He's a statesman. You know, and and so See, I am a Russian agent. What I was trying to get to is when he says he's a Russian agent. Sorry, I had to put you through all that. <laughs> but you know, it really, it really, there's not enough time in the world to apologize for that. I really can't say, say sorry enough. But you know, the things about Alex Jones, it might be laughing about it there, but he really is a part of that ecosystem we talk about, which is uh, you know disseminating this Russian disinformation everywhere. And, you know, it's not a surprise to me that he was also once awarded an award by the public arm of the SVR, which is basically the espionage services of Russia, an award for humanitarian rights and freedom because he was banned by Google in America. They awarded him an award along with Maria Butina that year. So, you know, this is a guy who's got close ties to Russia. He certainly seems to admire Putin. I mean, couldn't be admiring Putin any more than he was there. He was pretty proud. Yeah. I mean, you could see the look on his face. He mm. looked really proud of that statement that, yeah. you know, Putin was at, at least, you know, on, you know, he was on Putin's radar. I mean, no, I wouldn't be proud of that. <laughs> well, when you talk to the head of RT before RT launched, he's talking about Alexander Dugan. Oh, really? Wow. Are you sure it's Alexander yes. Dugan? I don't know. He started. Yeah, to, uh, there's to, uh, documents. Oh, wow. That's who he was talking to. Yeah, there's documents with that. Oh, that's really mm -hmm. interesting. Alexander Dugan, by the way, just yeah. to put, bring this all full circle for everyone, is uh, Putin's Rasputin, who's tied to Konstantin Malofiev. He's certainly the person who funds all his work. And as you can see, that's part of the Charles Bowsman influence circle that we see in Russia uh, through the Russian Orthodox Church. That's really interesting information. I'm not going to play any more of Charles Bowsman's documentary because, frankly, I can't stomach very much more of it. But I do want to just you know, bring us back full circle to say one thing about it, which is that those talking points, but the false flag, the idea that Pence somehow backstabbed the former president and the idea that he was the reason we landed up with all the violence, those talking points are actually becoming real in the Republican circles. It's certainly the kind of talking points they've started to push. And particularly this idea that the FBI informants did this. And this we've been seeing lately with the story around Mr. Epps, 
This Ray. is Washington, Ray Apps. So Washington Post had a piece today after Ted Cruz again brought up what people have been alleging about Epps, which is basically that he was on the most wanted list, that he was, this is an allegation that he was a FBI informant, and that on the night of January the 5th, he was caught on tape telling people to storm the Capitol the next day. You know the story better than I do, um, both of you actually, but why don't you pick it up here, Joe, and, and tell people more about who this guy, Mr. Epps, is. Yeah, so Ray Epps is the, I think he was the Arizona president chapter of for the Oath Keepers, right? Mm-hmm. So this was this goes back a long ways. I think back in 2011, he was with Stuart Rhodes at a, you know, some hometown buffet, and they were, you know, talking about things. So they, they go way back. The thing about Ray Epps is he is sort of this thing that they've found, I feel, right? It's like, I think if you look at the video that I think it was Baked Alaska, I think there's a guy that Baked that Alaska. That is Baked Alaska, yeah, for sure. And he starts to chant about him being a Fed, right? So there you have this whole group surrounding Ray Epps, I think it was January 5th. And at that night, you know, he's basically out there telling a crowd, we have to storm the Capitol, we have to go into the building, right? And he's saying we have to go in. And then a whole group surround him and they kind of say, Fed, Fed, Fed. Now, I don't know how that came to be. I don't know, you know, how that video was edited. I'm not sure. This you know, is on the live stream. It's on Baked Alaska's live stream. So I actually saw yeah. this live stream right the next day. So I'm, yeah, legitimately the live stream. That's And it's an event that they're having yeah. the night before. In, in, uh, yeah. I don't know where. So I think, I think they sort of take this as, you know, the kernel of truth, right? You have this mm-hmm. little morsel that you can then build upon uh, this narrative, right? You could then say, well, wait a second, this guy was calling for people. You could see it. Here he is on video and he's pointing and say, we have to go into that building. Now, to take that and blow it into the, he was the ringleader for all this stuff, mm-hmm. right, is ridiculous. I mean, it's, there's no proof to that. I think he even testified to the January 6th committee that he wasn't, you know, that, that that's yeah, this not is, true. This is what's happened in the last few days. The committee has come out, you know, and said, and it's very rare for them to say, yeah. that this guy said to them under oath that he is not operating as an FBI informant. Now, I mean, the, the language here might be difficult and it's complicated to parse because there are, in fact, many confidential informants sure. working for the FBI all the time. Sure. Many people and, and think, think Donald Trump is an FBI informant, and there's lots of evidence to suggest that he is an FBI informant. And maybe one of the reasons they can't prosecute him is because he's an FBI informant. There are a lot of people in the Trump world that are former criminals who have deals with prosecutors in order to get them off of their crimes. That might mean that they were FBI informants. It doesn't mean that they're not also acting in their own interests by supporting whomever they want to support as Americans. And so it's a difficult thing for people to parse. Well, I actually want to insert another option, which is a lot of these guys, you know, they're former military, they are former police officers. I think Ray Epps was former police. And I don't want to downplay that loyalty that they feel to the country. I think it is still really important to recognize that. And to me, Ray Epps is, he's about, I don't know, my dad's age maybe or something. And, you know, I think personally, that Ray Epps probably turned himself in as somebody who does have, you know, follow an oath, believes in law and order, things like that, of that age group. And it's likely that he's just cooperating. There's an opportunity there that he wasn't an informant even to begin with or anything. He just was there. He thought he was doing the right thing based on all the propaganda he was fed. 
And when he realized that he crossed a line and committed crimes, then he turned himself in. There certainly were a lot like, of military. you know, a former police officer might do. Yeah. There's a lot of military and police officers that you're right. And that's important that we need to note that. But, you know, the language around confidential informant and operating in witness or whatever they call it, they're very similar things. You know, some people might view the they're, confidential and informant as a cooperating witness because they often are similar things. Am I um, misreading what you say? No, I don't think so. Yeah, because if you're cooperating, it's because you were part of the conspiracy. So you are cooperating to lessen your, you know, sentence against you, essentially, is what but I lots mean. Lots of people so have he, prosecutors agreements from before, from crimes they've done before, which get them off the hook for various right, things. Right, right, right. I'm talking, those people are also informants. They're, you know, they have it under a prosecutor's agreement that they're informants and they're not allowed right. to do certain things, but they're also informants. And a lot of that's where it gets really fuzzy. Like but I don't Trump think Ray Epps a, falls into that. I don't, we don't think he's you know? an informant at all. We don't know if he is. We actually, I don't. The truth is we don't yeah. know. And the FBI will never share that with anybody because yeah. if they did, they wouldn't be confidential informants. And so the exactly. whole thing falls apart and they can't prosecute crimes and the whole system sort of, you know. That's why the mendacity of Ted Cruz is boundless. He absolutely knows that, mm -hmm. you know, I think he was questioning somebody in a judiciary hearing and he was saying, well, one of the uh, FBI folks, I think it was Jill Sanborn, he was saying, you know, were there any active participants, you know, federal agents who were active participants? Right. Well, what's an active participant? Active in what? Participating mm -hmm. in what? And then I think the other part of it is, you know, he's saying, were they confidential informants? Well, Ted, you just said confidential. She can't yeah. tell you that. And yeah. if she's going to tell you anything, it's going to be, you know, the FBI or the DOJ line of, I'm not going to jeopardize any ongoing investigations. So he knows that she can't answer it. And he asks the question knowing that he's going to get that response so that he can then put it as a soundbite out on the news so that people could then fill in with their own bias in their own mind what that really means, right? right? So they lead you to your own conclusions, which is why you know, this is such a dangerous thing to have this misinformation spread out to millions. And then it, they blur the language. They take this language yeah. of, okay, as so an informant or a, a prosecuting witness is, agree, is it cooperating with the prosecution, and they meld that with FBI agents are out there doing things in the ground, which, yeah. you know, I don't know if FBI agents are out there doing things on the ground. Maybe some informants were. Maybe they were just being informants. Maybe they were just there to, to see what was going on. But you've got to remember that this language and this idea started last year on January the 7th with Charles Bowsman on Russian TV. And it's only now becoming the center stage argument of the Republican Party a year or so later in because run out of other things so I frankly argue that you know we're now back at this idea that you know the FBI was somehow involved in fomenting how would the FBI have done everything involved did the FBI suddenly possess the bodies of um, Boebert and all the other Congress people did they suddenly embody those people in order to arrange the events did they give the tours of Congress all these writers that came there were they Donald Trump that day were they possessing Donald Trump's body that day and not asking people to go away and to calm down and to bring peace back to the Capital, they couldn't have done all of those things. Maybe they had an informant or two on the ground. Maybe one of them was taking their role more seriously than others. But to suggest that this is now indicative of an entire operation is nonsense. It's not possible. It's just not possible. And think of who would have had to do it, right? It would have yeah. been the deep state that they're completely against anyways, right? So they completely <laughs> right. harp on the deep state. Meanwhile, if it were to happen, it would have been the deep state to have done it. Good point. Well, that, yeah, absolutely. The I mean, it's completely double, double agent, deep state. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Because that's the problem. You start watching these things and you land up twisting yourself into knots. I mean, I was watching this entire documentary today and I was like, what is he actually arguing? It makes no sense. There's no ways all these things could be true at the same time. Each of them could be true on their own, but certainly not at the same time. 
No, I was just going to say, I think they understand the right wing ecosystem so well. And this is what we see with some of the narrative that happens is there's a statement made without evidence. And then all of a sudden the evidence is produced. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we're looking at here, because originally we're looking at, oh, it was Antifa. Then all of a sudden you have, you know, you Jack Basobiaks, you're, you know, those little guys that run around and, you know, spread bullshit, excuse me, language, Um, you know, and they find it for them, you know, they find it and they bring it up. And then all of a sudden the Congress people are like, oh, I had evidence this whole time, but they don't. And so when you look at this FBI thing, I think that's where this comes from too, because Baked Alaska would have been one of those people in that right wing ecosystem who would have been the searcher of the evidence prior to this. So he probably said, oh man, I had this guy on my live stream. You guys check this out. We were messing with him and we were saying, Fed, it'll be perfect, right? right. So it's like we they find their it. evidence after they create the statement. I do want to play this one last thing. You know, yesterday we tied this all back through Grant Stern's incredible reporting of Patrick Simpson to Ed Lazansky. And it was very revealing to me how involved Ed Lazansky has been in not only amplifying this idea, this, uh, philosophy that you know America is on its decline and somehow we have to return to the monarchy or autocracy, but also how responsible he is for actually putting together a lot of these activists, including or these spy groups, whatever you want to call them, including Charles Bowsman. So we know that Charles Bowsman and Lizansky were very close. They refer to each other as friends. Lizansky is also one of the writers on Charles Bowsman's Russian Insider. And that's interesting. And they both, you know, speak at various events together. They support each other on a regular basis. And just so we are reminded, Lazansky is a very long-term operative here in the United States with links that are very, very deeply tied to the Republican Party's operatives like Paul Manafort, Donald Trump, of course, Roger Stone, Jack Kemp. And, you know, you, you can see the list down there. Dimitri Symes is another Russian spy that was sent home. Dana Rabasha is there. Just this is the who's who of Russian interference all the way into 2020. Plus, you see him there as being the correspondent analyzing elections in Russia for RT. This is a very big deal in their world. You know, it's interesting that Lazansky and uh, Bowsman were hosted at a conference together. This is years ago, and Bowsman must have been a little bit green. And he starts doing his presentation at this conference, and the video or projector wasn't working. So he had to make it up or try to remember what he had to say all on his own. And he gets very lost very quickly. And who does he turn to to help answer the questions that are being asked? He turns to Ed Lazansky, who's hosting the event. And it's a little bit of insight. I'm not reading too much into it. It's worth taking a look at what's happening here. Um, um, but I can I could mention a lot of blogs. I was supposed to show all this on the, uh, on the video, but it's not working. So I'll just have to tell you about it. Um, uh, another site that is um, very good is uh, Fort Rose.com. Uh, um, we use a lot of material from there. There's a blog called The Moon of Alabama. Now, I have no idea who runs it. I get the feeling the guy's probably in Germany. Um, uh, but I would recommend that very well, very much. We use that a lot. Um, help me, Ed. What are some of the other ones? Well, send, I think, uh, since we can show it, yeah. we have emails. People, so we will send them all. Actually, some uh, some of those sites were listed in the program. So yeah, a lot of them are listed on the program. So help me, Ed. Help me answer the question I should know the answer to because I'm the editor of this publication. 
Why does Ed Lazansky need to answer that question? Why wouldn't he know the answer to that? And why does yeah. Ed Lazansky yeah. know that all these things are actually in the program and they'll have it available via email for everybody? You know, this is a telltale sign of an operation. Uh, when the guy who's presenting doesn't remember his lines and the video isn't playing, suddenly, you know, he, he brings in Ed Lazansky, the master in chief here of, of Russian interference, you know, to help him answer these questions. I think it's very telling. It's an interesting clip, nevertheless. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. I mean, yeah. I feel like uh, Charles felt like he was going to be punished after that. Like, that was very demoralizing. <laughs> and Lazansky did not look happy that no. he had to. I watched the entire thing. Bowsman tries to project a sort of a story that he created this publication and it suddenly became a runaway hit because of its you know amazing content. But, you know, none of it rings true. And he started it in Moscow and then decided to move to Pennsylvania to continue running it in 2017 or something like that. Like it's an unusual timeline. You know, if he was starting it in Russia, why wouldn't he stay in Russia? If he needed to come back to the States, why wouldn't he have started the publication after arriving here? You know, not incubated it in Moscow somewhere. And he's so well-spoken, Zev. I mean, that's the first time I've seen him kind of stutter or like fumble over his words. I mean, I've been watching so much of this guy and he's incredibly articulate. He doesn't yeah. use very often. He doesn't uh, forget words. And so that was really interesting for me because I hadn't seen that. It was early on. That's the thing. I found it so interesting. He hadn't yet studied all his lines as well as he needs to. And, uh, and you're absolutely right. He very rarely misses beat. And, and here he was missing a really important beat in a few of them at this conference. Joe? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've sort of been in front of crowds where I've forgotten some of the things that I wanted to tell them. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> um, you know, it, it happens. Yeah. It, it does happen. But, you know, if you're giving something like that and you're doing it in front of your torsion, if you will, mm -hmm. you should really know. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a, he claims to have put together a video that he was about to play and it was a slideshow. You know, he would have known the what it was in there. He wouldn't have needed yeah. that to help yeah. him. But who knows? I mean, we don't read too much into it. Certainly, I have no problems thinking and saying out loud that this man has all the appearances to me of a Russian agent. He certainly fits the profile. The activities he did certainly fit the profile. The fact that he was rushed back to his farm to do the documentary that was then aired on Russia, which is Russian state television. They wouldn't just do that for anybody. And by the way, in the Russian documentary, they talk about him being a descendant of uh, George Ross and Betsy Ross and all these, you know, it's crazy claims. I mean, maybe crazy. it's true, but I doubt it. So, you know, they've positioned him as someone who's a real authority figure on American history and on American politics, but he's a not. A patriot. Yeah, a real patriot. Yeah. 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 So I find it, you know, I think people need to be spending a little more time focusing on who this guy is and all the other Russian operatives, because there are so many, as we've discussed on the show before, that hung around in this world of Trump Russia and all the way into January the 6th. And not only Russian operatives, clearly there were Chinese operatives, there were all sorts of other nationalities there, but the Russians ones just stare at you. I mean, it's sort of like, a, it's hard to avoid them and they're pretty evident. And it does feel to me like the Russians are beginning to wrap up their operations in the United States because a lot of people are dying. A lot of people have returned home, as we've noted. Maria Bettina has gone back home. Symes has gone back home. Now Bowsman has gone back home. And it's interesting that Ivan Reichlin is still wandering around in the United States. But as this chart shows, especially at the bottom line there, there's a lot of uh, Russian involvement, plus Russian involvement in Infowars, as we've just shown you in Alex Jones's world, but also Russian involvement in uh, the Washington Times and in the um, OAN television station, and also Russian Insider, which we've now spoken about. So that's all I got. Any last thoughts, uh, Gal or Joe? You know, two things. That last slide that you put up, and not this one, the one that showed Dmitry Symes and all those names like Oleg Deripaska and yeah. that. Looking at that and seeing Paul Manafort's name on there, mm -hmm. 
This is and Patrick Simpson and Grant Stern's uh, document. Yeah, that's right. And remembering that it was Paul Manafort who recommended Mike Pence. And now mm-hmm. Mike Pence going through this sort of, I don't know if I should cooperate with the committee. And I'm not sure if I, you know, I don't know, maybe Karen needs to tell me to pray on it. And, <laughs> and, you know, I'm going to have to ask mother. I mean, that's just one sort of point that I wanted to point out there. The other thing is, you know, at the end of your show, you always like to say, do you have anything to plug? And I actually have something to plug. Okay. I'm plugging democracy tonight because tomorrow the Senate is starting to move forward, I believe, with debate voting rights. And if you don't want to live in a country that we were just talking about for the past hour and a half, about all these different things about gaslighting and all these different things about revolution and all these autocracy and tyranny and everything else, democracy is awesome. I can't Mm. express it enough. (laughs) Call your senators. They're starting tomorrow. Schumer's doing, I believe he just came out with some process that he's doing. It's a process that three agreement process. I I don't know exactly the name of it, but it has to do with the House. And it's whether or not the House and the Senate can agree on language within bills. And if they don't agree within three times, the Senate can't filibuster it. Oh, interesting. So they're going to be moving forward the process. Uh, I believe it starts tomorrow. They're looking to have a vote by MLK, which I believe is Monday. or, Or But the point is, you've got to call your senators. Even if you live in a blue state and your senators are already going to vote for democracy and vote for voting rights, call your senators. And if you have friends in West Virginia, call their senators, call Joe Manchin. You can do this. That's why democracy allows us to make phone calls across all states. So you can call senators, call Arizona, call West Virginia. Democracy is on the line, and I cannot stress that enough. Thank you for saying that so forcefully and well, Joe. It's so important and just to underline, you know, just because your senator might be a Democrat doesn't mean they'll vote yes or that they're supportive of voting rights. And we want to make sure that every single senator is going to vote. And that means some pressure from voters. So no matter who your senator is, call them and tell them you want this voting rights bill passed, especially Republicans, because there might be some soft Republicans who are scared of losing their seats. But there also might be some Democrat who are maybe a little wavering or hiding behind Manchin as an excuse not to vote. But absolutely, call your senators, call your representatives, insist that they support democracy. And, you know, it's not hard to see why democracy is better than uh, what the alternative is. When you look at this kind of state propaganda that we've been airing tonight from Russia, you certainly know that you don't want to live in that country. Gal, any thoughts from you? Any last thoughts from you? I mean, I can't really follow up on that except to give you the phone number. And that is 202-224-3121. Who's that that is for the U.S. Senate. U.S. Senate. That will go directly to the switchboard. And you can call your U.S. Senate. Call the Senate. It. Call the Senate. Call your senator and insist they support the voting rights bill. Uh, and it's the 17th, I believe, is the is the date. So that's the number. Call away. And that's very well done, Joe. Thank you very much for doing it. That's at Joe Dempsey. You can find him there. Um, at Dempsey 2. At Dempsey 2. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm going to get no this worries. right one of these days. And at Gal underscore Suburban, who one day will get on camera. I'm, I'm convinced of it. Great job on this and last night. Thank you so much for being here, Gal. Thank you. All right, and that's the show for tonight. Uh, We wish you a very good night. We'll be back for the after show on Friday. Thanks again for being here and for supporting Narrative. Have a good night, everybody. Narrative is made possible by viewers like you. Join today and support truly independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative. That's patreon.com forward slash narrative.